Hello my friends, how you doing? This is Coffee Chug Bucks and I'm here with episode 91 and this is the third part in our Purposeful Play with LEGO series that corresponds with the online course in which each week we are doing a variety of builds using LEGOs focused on communication, critical thinking, collaboration, subject specific assessments and all that good stuff. And so there's still time to join even if you missed the first couple weeks. This is not a course that's designed to penalize you. It's a course for us to come together, share ideas, collaborate. And in this episode, we get to speak with Becky McDowell. She is a phenomenal educator doing some insane, excellent stuff with Lego to push the boundaries of learning for students. The beauty of this is you don't have to have a million dollar budget to do the stuff that she's doing. So in this episode, we break down some of those activities, those ideas, and she has provided tons of resources, her blog, her Twitter handle, where you can find so much more. And yes, we'll be using a few of her ideas in the communication week challenges. So just like last week when we spoke with Alicia and all the classroom ideas, you're going to get many more ideas today. And as you, as you listen to these and you go back and you use them, please share. Let us know how you're taking these ideas back to the classroom for application. If you find this podcast helpful, screenshot it, share it, put it out on Facebook and Twitter and social media. We never know where that spark could lead to be the catalyst of change. So let's dive into the episode. She's so great. You don't need to hear from me anymore. And let's get rocking and rolling with Purposeful Play with Lego with Becky McDowell. Woke up at six o'clock in the morning, chilling with coffee mugs, me and coffee chugs, talking education all across the nation, pushing boundaries, thinking innovation, Aaron Mauer, outside the box thinker, here to teach each and every teacher how to tinker, living on the edge of chaos, born insane, listening to coffee chugs like caffeine for the boring, one of the top teachers in Iowa, word is born, here to show the world that there's more here than corn. Chaos. Hello everyone, how you doing? This is Coffee Chug and we are here with another episode on Living on the Edge of Chaos podcast. And for those that have been following along on this little mini-series within the podcast, we have been doing some online purposeful play with Lego. And each week for the next six weeks during the course of this little mini-series is we're exploring how hands-on learning and purposeful play and trying to break down the barriers that, one, it's possible to do in the classroom, and two, this is more than just glorified recess. And so in this particular episode today, we have a, another outstanding educator who is making this work happen and, and finding ways to instill. And so I'm so excited to bring her on the show. And so why don't we jump right in, and why don't you go ahead and introduce who you are and uh, what you do? Sure. I'm Becky McDowell. I'm a K-5 STEM teacher and team leader in Barrington, Illinois. We've had our STEM program for four years now um, with LEGO Education as our main tool that we use for our students um, to be able to do engineering um, through the design process. And then also um, a lot of um, creative builds and trying to really hit those cognitive competencies or the four C's, so creativity, communication, critical thinking, um, and collaboration. 
Yeah, and so I know that, I mean, this is something that I know, like, every single educator in school is trying to figure out. We know we're, we're constantly being told, and we every time we read it, how important these skills and thinking processes are. Um, and so as, as you're trying to weave this in, in, in into your class, into your program, and probably your whole school system-wide, how have you got started in, in terms of, like, using Lego to start to capture some of those? And I know it maybe looks different, obviously, for kindergarten compared to fifth grade, but I think for so many of us, we understand the need for this, but it's like, how do we like get started? Like, what's this look like? And how do we help people see that we can use a product like Lego? It could be any other product, but we're, we'll focus on Lego for the sake of this conversation to actually allow kids to build their capacity and, you know, critical thinking and communication and creativity and all that good stuff. Yeah, so sometimes we create specific challenges um, based around a skill that can emphasize it. Um, but really all of them are kind of interwoven in. Right. So collaboration um, is a real big one because, you know, the students, in order to do this tough work with um, either the We Do or EV3 at times, they they need to help each other and they need to share ideas and really work together on the challenges and tasks that they're doing. But we kind of start off a little softer. So at the beginning of the year, um, we just have some creative elements of Legos and just wanted them to make a model of what they did over the summer, just as a starting point, getting to know the students, talking about it. So, you know, really the creative designs. And it was really a fun way to see um, what they did and be able to explain it in a, in a really hands-on engaging way. I mean, they had to think through some of the creative pieces of how they were going to use them in, in non-traditional manners as well. So, that was a really fun way to start that. We've um, also looked at that for second semester, like after a break, you know, winter break, spring break, just having that time to explore and express themselves. Yeah, and I think that's so important. I know, especially in some of like the, the latest research that Lego Education has pushed out in terms of confidence. You know, I think so many mm -hmm. times we feel we have to dive right in and have some huge complex project and it has to be, you know, we, we feel this pressure. If any of us look on social media, you can easily get swamped in all these incredible projects and you think, I can never do this. And I think sometimes we have to remember that the, the more simpler type projects can have just as much bang for our buck. So something just like you said, yeah, building a model of what you did over the summer we have to also remember we have to build confidence within it with our kids, you know, and, and helping them feel that the, the space is safe to build a model and then be able to share it. I mean, so I think it's okay to start, you know, in, in a simpler type of approach like this. And then over time, you can gradually build up the depth and complexity when the kids are ready and also when we're ready as educators. Because for many of us, this could be um, a whole new territory that we haven't explored before or we haven't done it in a long time due to a variety of reasons. Yeah, so with um, our We Do kits, too, before there was, like, these um, intro smaller builds, we had actually created some of our own to really start smaller just to get the students familiar with the different elements because, you know, sometimes the technic pieces are different for kids. Sure. So be able to figure out how those go together and having some time exploring. So they made their own, you know, little creatures that they just um, – programmed even without motors or sensors, just starting with that hub with the light color and sounds, backgrounds showing up, so easing into it and then building up over time. Um, so we use the We Do kits with second grade and third grade and really build on um, top of it um, each year where at the end of third grade, they get to do this creativity build. I um, took the idea from Dr. E, 
mm. who's out of Tufts, and he has a great website for both we do and EV3 of all kinds of different challenges. People around the world can like submit and judge yeah. each other's and others. It's really cool. <laughs> um, so that's one of the things I always recommend is like check that out for ideas and then try and you know get kids to submit some. So the idea was um, fairy tale fixers, and so this is kind of a culmination project for third grade where they can choose a fairy tale and really it was just like fantasy or any you know myths and I tried to get lots of books from a lot of different cultures as well to like really think about not just our standard ones that we know but trying to introduce yeah. other ones for our students as well so that everybody's represented and then um, choose a character it could be the good guy it could be the bad guy and try and <laughs> just fun. There's definitely kids that you know they're they're choosing to help the wolf. Oh um, heck yeah! That. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been me. <laughs> right, right. And and so it's giving kids the choice and the voice, you know, in what they do, and then they have to identify which problem they're going to solve for that character, mm. and design. Um, this is with the We Do Kit design a mechanism um, to help solve that problem. So. One of my groups decided um, an alarm system um, for the pig's house so that the wolf doesn't, um, you know, come in and blow it down. They have an uh, alarm, and then it triggers um, this rotate of the motor on the top of the house that drops chains down <laughs> on top of the wolf and captures it. Because we said we can't um, harm any of our characters. We have to treat them humanely, even if we're trying to sure. prevent them from doing something. So um, how that, you know constraint in there. So I had, you know, a little bit of limited uh, criterion constraints in there um, that they had to work within because um, I did want them to use the motor and the motion sensor, not just free build because I was like, we got to use our skills. You know, we got to program, we got to use the motor in there somehow and the motion sensor in there somehow. So um, the kids were really um, enthralled. Like they just, they didn't want to stop. Um, building, they wanted to add more and more ideas to it. I love that. So that yeah, yeah. Uh, I know. Like as, as you're sharing that, I, I was I was jotting down some notes. Not that anybody listening to the podcast can see me jotting down the notes, but I was thinking for that. But for that classroom teacher, you know, so maybe not all of us get to have a awesome job position like you or a, as, a, as a STEM teacher. Uh, but if you're that classroom teacher, just thinking through that in terms of like all the, the, the ways we, we can crosswalk our content. I mean, literacy is a no brainer, obviously in this, as you're exploring, mm -hmm. you know, the, the fairy tales and bringing in different aspects and then your, your social studies, bringing in that cultural awareness piece of, mm -hmm. you know, you know, just like you talk about different myths and all these things that you can weave in and sciences, you know, it, even if you're just using the engineering process of NGSS standards or whatever your frame, work is or looking at simple machines if you have have the luxury of using we do i mean there's just so many cool things that can come of this and then as more and more states i know in iowa we just passed computer science standards like there mm -hmm. here, here's a natural bridge to weave those standards in 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 a day and age where the the, ra the the classroom teacher doesn't have time to put anything else in their room right so here's a project that can encapsulate and knock out a bunch of standards but it doesn't require more work because it's all built in and infused and so um i just think that's so powerful so i think as, as we're listening to these stories like keep that open mind of it doesn't have to be one more thing but how can this type of open-ended project with parameters you know where you talk about have to have a mechanism can really really we can get a lot of bang for our buck um, and i think that's always a uh, a bear that so many of us think about, like, I don't have time for this, you know, and actually you could have more time in your classroom by designing 
these challenges, such as the uh, fairy tale fixer. Absolutely. Um, and yeah, we look at, um, I think it's like four different sets of standards yeah. um, that we're, that we're working with and like, um, and we're not responsible as specialists for specific science or math or right. um, like, you know, curriculum and content standards, but we love to help do the application or like tie into the interest. I mean, in, you know, kindergarten when they're doing their sequencing, well, that is coding. So we talked yeah. about that. And so with the um, computer science standards, like, so for this one, they get to start with a little bit of a base program with the mechanism library that's in WeDo. They have a basic mechanism build that they can use, but then they have to make it work for their ideas. So they're adding on, they're changing things. So they have a base program, but then they have to add on and change it. And that's really in the computer science standards where you can... Um, you know, build on others' work um, to make it your own because, you know, coders uh, don't write everything from scratch. Sure. They grab, oh, this element of that program, that element of that program. So that's kind of the idea that we're weaving in there as yeah, well. Yeah, I love it. I love it. And so let I don't want to jump ship on this topic, but I know like so many teachers, that's like the biggest thing is like they understand these concepts, but like they, they, they need examples. So let's jump into just another example of something that you're doing, because I think it's, it's, it's probably the golden ticket for so many listening in is like, okay, you know, I, I know that I want critical thinking, you know, I'm probably hearing this fairy tale fixer. They're going, oh my gosh, like I could do that. Like many of us are probably already using fairy tales in some, some capacity already. And so, um, What's another kind of build project that, that, that you think is, is really powerful for us to, learn, to think about, or at least something that you do in, in, in your space that, that kids really gravitate towards? Sure. Um, I started with this project 15 years ago when I was teaching eighth grade science um, just to get at the idea of um, following instructions and creating detailed diagrams um, and that step-by-step nature. So um, currently it was like a, in the like learn-to-learn Mm. Um, idea. I've seen it recently, but um, really it was just taking a set of Lego bricks and I matched them up so it was two identical sets. And so it could be done with any blocks that you have. Um, and then the student creates a build out of the set number of pieces I give them, depending on age. It might be eight pieces, it might be 15. And they create something out of it. Um, and then they have to write directions step-by-step step of how to do it and they can have some parts of detailed diagrams and I've gone back and forth on how much diagram versus written sure. instructions and then their partner has the set that doesn't have anything um, you know built yet they get the blank set they have to build it just based on those written instructions mm. so then it's also well how well do you follow instructions um, and then they compare it to the model and they could do side by side. So I have some pictures on Twitter of my students um, sharing the models and like just looking like, oh, I noticed that this one was backwards. So I realized that this part, I should have had this instruction. Or I noticed that I wasn't specific on the color. Mm-hmm. So we talk about how um, detailed and specific our instructions need to be. For science, it was about safety. So it was about following, and so I did at the beginning of the year, and following the directions um, very specifically, step by step not skipping, and then also um, being able to write those instructions for when we created our own um, experiments and labs and so on. I like that. So that's what I was going to ask. Like, do you, do you allow them to 
um, label their diagrams by color? Can they color in, or like, or is it? Do you just leave it wide open for them to originally do, or you know what I mean? Like, how do you, how do you, how do you set set the stage for them when they go to create those instructions and diagrams? Do you just say your partner just has to be able to follow it. Good good luck, or do you give them a little bit more constraints in in, in the initial instruction set? Yeah, so I've done it different ways, different years. Um, so some years it's just uh, written because um, I don't want them to like draw completely right. the whole thing. And some years it was certain parts they can have um, labeled um, as far as what they're calling different things. Okay. Um, and they can have different steps of it. So really it's all about communication, right? Right. And Because I, I talk about my students being able to um, communicate to others and then also being able to like listen to others. So with my youngest kids, instead of writing it out, I let them um, say it. Got it. And so they still have their model hidden, um, but they're looking at it and they are communicating it. But their partner, I say, um, is like a robot. They can't talk, so they can't ask for clarifying instructions. Yeah. Um, so they just have to give instructions to their partner based on what they see. I love that. So it depends on the age and, and yeah, sure. well, um, trying out different things because I never do the same thing twice yeah. the same way. Yeah. It reminds me of when I when I taught sixth grade uh, literature for a few years and the idea of, of writing like description writing, like how do we actually, you know, write more than just like this is cool. Um, I, I did an activity and it's not anywhere near as hands-on as maybe more entertainment value than anything. I had the kids write out the um, instructions to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And then I had this whole full blown costume and I had plastic everywhere. And I would go through like, I was like this mad, crazy, insane chef. And I would literally make the peanut butter and jelly sandwich exactly as they wrote it. You know, and of course you'd find the ones that would really, you know, and so if they didn't tell me to use a knife, I'd stick my hand, the peanut butter. And then, it, you know, I'd just make a complete scene. And the whole idea, idea was like you know how do we communicate and like how can we expect people to you know understand what it is we're trying to teach or explain if we don't use the proper descriptions you know and so um I like your activity a lot more because it is everybody's involved, you know, where, you know, mine, like I said, maybe more entertainment to kind of create a, a shock and wow factor. Um it was still fun to do. Um but it's, well, it's I... Yeah, go for Instead it. Instead of peanut butter, you know, because you can't have peanut butter most Yeah, yeah, see, that's, that's no longer allowed. That is, uh, uh, you know, that is definitely taboo in schools anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, but I do it with cereal. So I do the mm. same thing. Like I have a, a box, of, a little mini box of cereal with a little box inside. They say, you know, open the box. I'm like trying to tear it open. And then like pour the cereal in. So I dump it, but it's like the oh, bag. Yeah. <laughs> or like, you know, like put the spoon in your mouth and chew. So I chew the spoon. And... <laughs> And they don't say, like, when, you know, so we get into, um, and then we relate it back to the coding, because really, you know, you're, like, until, and, you know, the conditionals and the sequencing, so... Um, yeah, serial is, is more yeah. one I would write. There you go. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, that's the, the new and improved uh, version of <laughs> that activity. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's so awesome. And so I know that um, back in December, you were one of the um, awesome people that stepped up and, and shared a project for the 25 days of making. And so um, I'm sure not everybody listening in, um, maybe they, they may not be aware of, of that awesome days of, of making. Um, and so... Um, Let's talk about your fidget spinner project, too, because I know it's another really cool one that I think is a, a another example of some really 
easy ways, I think, from the teacher standpoint to to launch kids into these four C's in a way that that's that's engaging and fun and and also you know exciting. And I think that's something that we, you know we're trying to always find that balance to ensure that learning's taking place, kids are engaged, but you know it's also exciting and fun for them. They actually want to come back to to class the next day. Yeah. So this one started off with um, spinning toys, and so just creating um, a little. Lego build, not very many pieces, um, that could spin for so long. And um, once students had some success, then I wanted them to create another one and compare. So kind of the critical thinking. Or if theirs wasn't working, why wasn't it working? So really, it's like that rapid prototyping, which is really nice. Like with Legos, like you just like take it back apart and and do a different (laughs) one, right? You know, so that's what it's great about the Lego. Like it's not just a... You go through the long process and then you only have one test because that's all you have time for. It's all about just thinking as they're going and revising what they're doing. And then I tell them, look what other people are doing. Like get ideas from other people as well. But then make it your own, add other things, you know, test out and compare. So this last time, instead of just doing the um, spinning toy uh, challenge, we also did like a a fidget spinner, like you're saying. Mm -hmm. Because, of course, you know, that, right. that was all rage at the time. And um, creating something that could move in different ways. And it kind of left it fairly open. I've seen, you know, I, of course, I went through Pinterest and looked at different ideas. Oh, yeah. And there were some ideas out there, too, of how different people had put something together. So I made sure I had those, el- those types of elements available. And then I also kind of wanted them to use some gears in there. We hadn't done anything with gears yet because it can get into a difficult concept at times. Um, So I just wanted them to be able to play with the gears. Um, But I did show them, like Dr. E has some resource videos about unique Lego pieces and how gears can fit together in different ways. So we start off like showing those types of videos for a resource. And then like I said, well, and here's some others if you want to use. Um, and then they could create their fidget spinners. And I actually, you know, had some kids with some needs for fidget spinners that I let um, keep theirs for the duration of our um, unit together. Um, oh, cool. And then we had to turn it back in eventually. Right, right. <laughs> I could do this class and, you know, they were excited. And then it was said like, the kids are like, wait, I could do this at home. Well, yes, yes, that's yeah. the point. Yeah. You could do this. Oh, and that's really the aha moment. That's when you know you you have something that that's sticking. You know, and I think that that tends to be a a common trend that I hear. And the more and more I talk with people that are doing hands-on learning and just getting kids involved in the process, and you know, that that learning through experience and, and discovery is when the kids are going home and talking about it or thinking like, oh, I can actually do this on my own free time. We know we have something really vital. You know, we don't necessarily have to have a a, a data spreadsheet of every single element of learning when when kids are going home and doing it we know we've got something and i think that's you know it, it's funny as you say that you're like the third person in a row that has has kind of had that moment and i think that's yeah. you know um it's that's like maybe it shouldn't be the goal but something in the back of our head like we know we have something really powerful when when, when we know that that's happening yeah absolutely and when you're in the kids world of like problems that they encounter daily so one of them i was noticing we have these iPads and the stands like come off sometimes because the kids like play with it kind of like a fidget spinner that's right. probably why they needed one so they're playing with a kickstand and they come off and sometimes we can get back on sometimes not so I'm like well let's create a Lego um, stand to be able to mm-hmm. hold 
you know, an iPad. And I had seen one a, a while ago. I had gone to the U.S. Um, Patent and Trademark Office has a summer National Summer Teacher Institute all about intellectual property and entrepreneurship. You go through this design thinking thing. It's really awesome. Um, so listeners can look out there for the yeah. um, information coming out. It might be posted already. I'm not sure. And and one of the teachers had um, a kickstand for his phone um, built out of Legos. I'm like, that's so cool. <laughs> you know, he made it compactable and it folded and everything. So anyway, I I remembered this and I um, also one of the kids like I was saying the technic pieces can be tough. So at the beginning of the unit, I had the students um, just explore them, the EV3 pieces, um, and how they go together and how to use um, the different connector pins and spacing and so on with it. And so they um, made their own stands for their iPads. And I gave them, again, a, you know, a little bit of criteria constraints, but they were coming up with like, oh, but I also want to make it compactable because that wasn't you know an original one I had. Look. It could fold, and so I could take it with me. Or somebody said, oh, I can use it in this orientation or that orientation. It works both ways. Um, or this one can also hold a, a stylus. And so, like, the kids really, like, took ownership yeah. of it. Just by giving them that little voice and choice and, like, not giving them too many constraints, they were then able to, like, do more than I was even expecting of them. Yeah, so cool. yeah, it reminds me of... I, I... Um, Gary Steger has a, a thing that I've seen him speak on. I've never seen him in person, but I've watched his online keynotes and um, he does a good job of getting people fired up for sure. But he's a big voice and advocate for the event to learn for anyone that doesn't have heard of Gary Steger. But he has a, a, a statement where he always talks about like the, the, the quality, the or messed this up here, like the quality and the importance of, of, of a good prompt. And so if you have a good learning prompt, you know, that that's worth the thousand words type of thing. And um, I, I keep coming back to that concept. And it was something I, I tried out at a workshop where I just gave the prompt and said, here's all the materials, go. And I was like so nervous about how people were going to respond. And I should know by now through all the work that I do that people are going to blow you away. Same thing with your iPad stand. And I think that's something that – it's so hard for so many of us who feel we have to be in control to kind of prove that we're doing our work, that if we can just get out of the way and create, you know, provide the pieces, in this case, you know, with the Lego and the Wii do that, that you provide and give them that prompt, we need to make a, an iPad stand. Like, not only are they going to achieve what it is that you need to document as an educator, nine times out of ten, they're going to take it to that next level. Like you said, also, they want to have something retractable. Like, there's a whole other set of skills and learning that goes above and beyond you know, any rubric we would have created, any sort of like, you know, I would like, like, like the backward design thinking out there's anything against that. But like this idea where sometimes we, we pigeonhole the ceiling of where we think we want mm -hmm. every kid to go to show that they've learned. And sometimes if we just get out of the way, they'll go so many steps beyond that, you know, if we don't create that ceiling for them right away up front. So I, I love that example because it's, it's, it's so true. Yeah, for any engineering challenge we do, we make sure that there's more than one solution that actually works. Yeah. And I think that's so important. It can't just be cookie cutter, this is the one design solution that works. Like, that's more learning about the properties of it or you know, the science of it. But like, if you're going to do a really good engineering challenge, it, there should be a lot of ways to take up that challenge. So, so um, in, in your class, and these kids are doing this work, how do you document the process? So I think 
another thing, the struggle that at least when I, when a lot of teachers that I'm talking to and working with, uh, you know, whether it's in my job or through through online things, is like how do I help people see that the learning is taking place? And so, in your class. Because I, I guess I personally struggle where I, I see it where if we spend so much time documenting and reflecting, we actually are like killing the learning. Like when, I, when I'm in my own deep work, I'm not stopping every 30 minutes to reflect and go, hmm, what am I learning right now? Like, you know, like it's, it's a buzzkill when I'm in the moment and I can just hammer things out. And so um, how do you balance that of giving them the, the time to build, but also document or what's that look like for you in, in your class so, you know, parents can see beyond maybe just the end product or people who want to question uh, what's going on in there, you can be like, well, hey, check this out. Yeah, we've done um, several things throughout the year. Um, we started with like Schoology as a platform for submitting work and um, sharing a little bit there, but moved towards doing um, like book creator for a while where they're creating their own book that has oh, video yeah. and audio pictures in there. Um, and then, you know, they have that little, um, product when they're done, you know, the artifact that they could take away, but I can't see it in real time unless I have the iPad in front of me. Sure. And, and so, um, I've moved towards, and my team is going to be moving towards something like Seesaw yep. as a learning management that we can post activities to, so they get the information we want them to have. Sometimes it's a template that they draw right on top of. Um, sometimes it's just a, a video submission to the prompt that's given. Um, we do a lot of video. There's a lot of performance based. Right. So they're taking video of something working and then either they um, write text with it, um, caption, draw on something if it's a picture. And so really um, giving them the information on how to use the tool, but then letting them choose a little bit of how they're going to demonstrate their learning. And then parents get to see that too. Yeah. And then the parents can comment on that um, and see really what the kids are doing and then ask them, you know, that night at home, like, hey, I saw that you were doing this in, in STEM. How'd that go? What, you know, what was the result or, or, you know, where are you going next with it? I'm excited to see. Yeah, yeah. It probably won't be long until you have your own, uh, the uh, adult fan of Lego club in your community as kids, or as parents continue to see these kids doing cool stuff going, hey, I want to I do that. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Well, in the Chicago area, there is a really big um, Lego, AFOL, you know, adult yeah. Lego conference. There. I've never been able to make it to it, but I think it's Father's Day weekend. There yeah. is definitely a, a big <laughs> <laughs> calling for that there. But the other thing, um, too, before we were using um, Seesaw, so for fourth grade um, is kind of our, our culmination because fifth grade does a little bit different. We do entrepreneurship. So for fourth grade, we have parents come in for an open house. <laughs> and so the students, we have our... Um, space mission challenges. So it's kind of like First Lego League. Yeah. Um, and the students have their EV3 robot with the different tools that they've created and designed to solve the different challenges. And they get to demonstrate to the parents um, what they've done on the table. But then they go back to the learning mission mats that we had created and they hand the iPad over to their parents and they have to teach them how to precisely control the robot, mm. how to drive around the square. Um, so that then they're explaining and showing their parents um, that what they've learned, but also um, getting the benefit of like seeing that their parents aren't getting it, you know, yeah. the first round either. Yeah. Just because we're adults doesn't mean that, you know, we're going to, you know, figure it out on our own right away. Um, so it's kind of fun for the kids to be able to do that too. <laughs> 
I love that. And I think the more we can bridge that community piece, whether it's parents or other people, you know, in the area to, to see this learning, I mean, that right there is what solidifies like this work. And I think, you know, once you experience it, it's very hard for anybody to really argue against this type of teaching and learning, you know, and I think that's always the biggest thing is just come on in and experience it. So having those opportunities like an open house is, is, is definitely uh, a huge plus. And it's so cool for the kids too, especially, you know, we, we did open houses at middle school where I worked at, we did exhibitions and anytime a kid could try to teach their parents something and their parents struggled and the kid knew the answer, you know, you just watch that big old cheesy grin light up on their face. Like, yeah. oh, I got your mom. I got your dad. You know, it's, that's always such a, an awesome little um, opportunity that that definitely develops in that showcase of learning you know absolutely and we've had um stem family nights for all four years and it's evolved and changed and so this year because we only have that open house for fourth grade we have brought in elements of each of our stem program to our stem night Mm. where the kids at all grade levels then if they um with their parents they can um experience and show like oh robot mouse you know we did this or Oh, you know, the dash robot over here or um, where we build on with Legos we, for the dash robot, um, a snowplow or a carrier for um, drones that have oh, yeah. fallen down. We have to collect, you know, something like that, too. So they get to go through an element of what they do in class with their families and, and kind of show experience. But also kids of different grade levels get to go test out the things that they're going to learn later, too. Yeah, I like and, that. You know, try it out as well. And then because we're funded, our supplies are funded by our educational foundation, we did last year a community open house where we had um, students selected from all the schools to demonstrate for community what they did in the different grade levels as well. So we had you know board members, community members um, come, and so it wasn't just the families of the schools. And so then that helped bring awareness and community in to really have the conversation about what we're doing and, um, you know, other connections that we could think about. And that was really cool. That's awesome. I love it. This has been so great. And I want to be respectful of your time because I know how precious uh, free moments are um, for educators. Um, and so as, as we kind of bring this to a close, I think, one, there's going to be so many um, questions and comments and excitement based on all these amazing ideas that you've shared. But as, as we kind of wrap this up, so someone listening in, we've got people that are that are just diving into this world of, of Lego, or maybe they're trying to figure out better ways to infuse it in, into their classroom. What do you suggest, like, as, as some, like, beginner steps to someone's going, okay, like, I want to I want to do these works that, 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 that Becky's talking about, but i got to have my first baby step. So what's that, that advice to someone that's just getting started, uh, you know, into this, this world of, of STEM or play or, we you know, whatever, whatever word we want to fill in um, um, for the, 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 this t- type of work for kids? Yeah, so something um, I'd recommend is, and it, it depends on, you know, the tools that you have, but just starting out um, with something that connects in, whether it's building a model of um, – a scene from the book that they're just making a, a picture um, come real in 3D of a scene that's the book. If it's being able to communicate that step by step, you know, for the importance of following instructions, just those simple things that have um, a connection to what you're already doing. Um, so it's not anything more; it's just a different way of doing it and of applying um, the information, and then 
that gets the kids familiar with using Lego in the classroom in those different ways. And so that can scaffold up and build up to um, more either mechanistic um, ways where they're like creating things that actually function and work or um, bigger projects that have more um, specific criteria constraints that they're um, working with. So like in first grade, you know, we do Rosie Revere engineer and we create and we take it beyond and it's like, oh, now, you know, she's with her friend, Iggy Peck and the other students, you know, Ava in the treehouse, and we need a, a zip line. So, you know, they're making a zip line and we have the little mini figs to represent the characters um, for a zip line to get down. So like doing the book that, you know, we're reading in class already and either doing uh, solving a problem that's in there or using those characters even um, to build into the Lego build. So just find a way that you think you can help kids bring their ideas to life and build that confidence in, in their ideas and expressing their ideas in a hands-on way. Um, and, and then building up to try more and more things. And then, yeah, definitely check out Dr. E's um, activity there for um, different ideas with WeDo and EV3. And then I also have a blog, um, if I can plug that. Yeah, as I say, yeah, because pe- people are going to want to, I'm telling you, after they, they listen to this, they're going to want to follow your work because I think you've you've hit on so many awesome projects that we we can do. And so, um, yeah, you, you've led right into the next thing. So where can people find you if they want to know more about you and your work or, or reach out to you with, with, with questions? Yeah, so my blog is beckymcdowell.com. And on Twitter, I'm at be the change with no A. Um, and I post like all the things I've talked about. I have blog posts or things on Twitter that show pictures and um, video of all of those things and more. Yeah. And for anyone listening that's listened to this podcast for any amount of time, all the things that, that, that Becky's talked about, Dr. E's website, the videos, and, and her website and her Twitter handle will all be linked in the show notes. And so you can always head to the show notes to access those um, because I also know it's sometimes hard to listen because most people probably listen to this while they're drinking coffee and driving. So we don't want you typing in these uh, these uh, links here while, while you're behind the vehicle. Becky, this has been absolutely phenomenal. I can't thank you enough for your time. Um, I'm excited to see where, where people take these ideas and, and use them and remix them. Uh, um, and, and thank you for sharing the journey because the more that we share and tell our stories uh, is, is how education is going to change for the better. So um, I can't thank you enough for uh, squeezing me in and, uh, um, and some of your free time here to uh, chat with us today. Yeah, thanks, Aaron. It's been a pleasure.